0: The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. To learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.gracefcwesterville.org. Sermon on the Mount, and we're still at chapter 5, and today we're going to be looking at verses 14 through 60. We talked about salt two Sundays ago, and today we're going to talk about light. And we begin to read in verse 14, it says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. And verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, I'll be honest with you, when I was preparing this message, I had a problem. This little song kept popping in my head, and I was, probably should have asked him to sing it. This light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. That's where it came from, 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 this, from this verse. And when this, Jesus talked about the proper function of his disciples in this world, he used two illustrations. He used, you are the salt of the earth. Like I said, we studied that two Sundays ago. And the second illustration he uses is light. With salt, we have the preserving effect, and we talked about those things, the lifestyle that brings things to others. And now we're going to be functioning as light. You are the light of the world. Well, how does light function? What's the function of light? It exposes darkness, doesn't it? We, turn, we say turn on the light. We don't say turn off the darkness or turn on the darkness. It exposes darkness. Have anybody ever lost anything in your car? Have a wallet? Black interior? You lose it. You can't find it. You're driving in the dark, eating a burrito. A burrito falls down. You get home. You turn on the light. You find a burrito, but not the one you were eating, the one from last week. The light exposes, it helps us see. But the tragedy of the situation, men don't like light. When I say men, not male, but mankind. They prefer darkness to God's light. And that's the reason people don't come to God. The Word of God tells us in John 3.19, it says, "In this the condemnation that the light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because of their deeds were evil. And then verse 20 says, For everyone practicing evil hates the light. It does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. So light exposes. But not only it exposes what is hidden in the darkness, it shows us a way out. You know, I was on vacation. I needed light because we were in a hotel room. You're not familiar with the room, so you turn on the lights just so you don't hit the wall, right? Light shows us a way out too. Or when you're having a kid sleepover at your house, I don't know if you, any of you ever had that. Anybody do a Lego dance at nighttime? It's not a romantic type of dance, you know, you're stepping on the Legos. So you turn on the light so you can see obstacles in your way and get out. But the reason people don't believe in God or they don't want to because God is light and it exposes sin. We don't want to acknowledge our shortcomings, our sinfulness, because we're not, what, poor in spirit. We don't want to recognize that we're bankrupt. We want to recognize that we are somebody. So today I'm just going to describe three simple little words today. The outline is going to be who, what, and why. Very simple, short sermon for once. But in verse 14, he says, You are the light of the world. The city that is set on the hill cannot be hidden. So our light is a matter of living a righteous life, living the truth. And if you study the Bible, the light is related to true knowledge of God. I want to give you a couple of scriptures here. In Psalm 36, 9, it says, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, in his light, God's light, we see light. So the first thing we need to realize that God is light. In him is the fountain of life. In his light we see true light. In 2 Samuel twenty-two twenty-nine, 29, we read, For you are my lamp, O Lord, the Lord shall enlighten my darkness. So if we are to be light in this world, we have to manifest God. And Psalm 119, 05 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So we see God is light, but not only God is light, we see it says, you are, your, your word is a lamp to my feet. That means His word is also light. And in Isaiah 9, too, we see that it, there's a prophecy about a light. It talks about Jesus. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. So we see this light is coming into this world. Jesus himself said in John 8, 12, says, Then Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And in John 9, 5, he repeats the same thing, says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So we need to understand that God is light, the Bible, the Word of God is light, Christ is light, and we are to tell people about God, God's Word, Christ, so that's what's means to let our light shine. It's to be given a testimony, verbal testimony, telling people. You know, in John 1, verses 6 through 9, it talks about John the Baptist. And it says this, There was a man sent from God, so he's from God, whose name was John. In verse 7, This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, meaning John was not that light, but he was sent by God, but was sent to bear witness of that light. So he's not the light, but he's bearing witness of the true light, which is Jesus Christ. And verse 9 says, verse nine says that was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. So if you're not in him, you're not going to have any kind of light to begin with. Because the true light gives light to every man. And he is the light of our salvation. And Psalm 27, 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my light of my salvation. So, when we're talking about light, It's a comprehensive term referring to all God's revelation, the revelation of himself, his word, his son. That's light. And we are to be proclaiming that message to the dark world. Why did Christ come to this world? In Luke 1, in verses 77-79, it says this, To give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remissions of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God with which dayspring from high has visited us. And then verse 79 says, to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. So we're sitting in darkness. He came to give us light and to guide us. That's why he came. You know, we are to manifest this light. And I was reading a commentary by Dr. Barnhouse, and he has a very good explanation, uh, explanation or example in there that I'd like to read to you. He used to say that when Christ was in the world, he was a bit like the sun, S-U-N, not S-O-N, but S-U-N, which is here by day and gone by night at night. But when the sun goes down, the moon comes up. And the moon is a picture of the church of Christians. It shines, but it does not shine by its own light. It only shines because it reflects the light of the sun. And that is very true. So when he says, you are the light, we need to understand that Jesus is the true light. As we read in John 1, 9, it says, That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He is the sun, and we're like the moon. We're the reflectors. So the primary duty of the church is to be the light of the world. We are to spread this message of salvation, not sit around and talk to each other. Remember we talked about salt. We need to get out of the salt shaker, right? Salt, don't Salt. Salt. And we don't light light, it's already on. We need to get out from being wrapped up all in ourselves. And Paul writes to 2 Corinthians in chapter 4, verse 6, it says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So God passes the light all the way down through us. It's so important. You know, when Stella was born, I don't know, like most parents, especially with the first kid, you know, you decorate the room. Anybody do that? You want to make it special? You waste all that unnecessary money? And I wanted to put stars, those reflective stars everywhere, you know, so they shine in the dark. And I put them all up. But when the nighttime came, none of them were lit up. I was disappointed, so I took them all off, you know, I want my money back from the dollar store, and I was putting them back in the bag. There was an inscription on the back. It says, if you want me to shine in the light, keep me in the light. Apparently, the stars were not getting enough sunlight or whatever light in the room to begin with, so therefore they could not produce light. So it is the same with us. We must expose ourselves to Jesus, delight in his word, and spend time in prayer to soak up his rays. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says this, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just by the Spirit of our Lord. So if we want to shine, if we are the light of the world, And if you want to be a candlestick on the light stand, you need to keep your your eye on the light. And that's God's plan. Even though he's the true light, it's interesting that he intends for this light to be shining in the world through us. The citizens of his kingdom. Look at verse 14 again. It says, you are the light of the world. Circle that word you. You know what that you means in Greek? It means you, nobody else. And if Jesus Christ was standing here from this pulpit platform, he would be saying the same thing to you. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And you know, sometimes they get this, sometimes when you're talking to these people, they say, Well, wait a minute, Pastor, you're on a platform. So you're the light. The people that participate, deacons, elders, those are the light of the world. Somehow we have this idea that it only applies to certain people. But if you look at the scripture, it says you. There's no important people here. Who was he talking to? He was talking about fishermen, you know, people of the Galilee, country bumpkins of that time. Just common folks. And he says, you guys are the light of the world. And if you're a Christian, you are the light of the world. You can't help yourself. Because the Christ is in you will be shining. But somehow we get this idea it's only a few people, and that's the problem in the world. You know, we talk about politics and sin and all that stuff, but there's sin in the church. We're not shining. Maybe if we did a better job shining, maybe the world won't be this bad. I mean, it'll still end. We're, we know how it ends. But one of the terrifying scriptures for me is when we read and says, when God returns, would he find any faith on earth? That's terrifying to me. Because if you remember, I said there's like 77 million Catholics, 14 million, something like that, Baptists. That's one-third of this country's population who claim to be Christians. And Jesus says, when I return, will I find faith? What's happening to the salt? Not the world, but I'm talking about the salt. What's happening to the salt? What's happening to the light? So the who is, first of all, it's God, but it's God shining through us. And what, what are we supposed to be doing? We answered who? Well, The answer is obvious here. You don't light light, so you don't salt salt. We are to be the light of the world. Now, Jesus mentions here the foolishness of concealed light. Look at verses 15 and 16. says, Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a light stand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men so that they may see you good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So what he's talking about here is the foolishness of this concealed light. You don't light a lamp and put it under a basket. And when you get saved, you get saved to shine. We are not to hide our testimony. Let me ask you something, folks. Are you ashamed of Christ? Are you ashamed to carry a Bible or have it out on your work place on your desk? Are you ashamed to even carry a Bible to church? Maybe your neighbors will see it. Do people know you're a Christian? When you go out to eat lunch with your buddies, do you pause and pray or you kind of go along? Because you don't want to offend anybody or you don't want this light to be shining. So there's this foolishness that we find ourselves when we conceal the light. You were saved to shine, but yet you're putting it under the basket. And Luke, in chapter 8, verse 16, kind of repeats the same idea. He says, No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel and puts it under bed, but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. That's why he says city on hills cannot be hidden because believers are like this. They're visible. There's no such thing as invisible Christians or secret service Christians as we talked about. In reading a commentary by Lloyd-Jones, he said this, If we find in ourselves a tendency to put the light under a bushel, which is a basket, we must begin to examine ourselves and make sure that it really is light. Sometimes we put that light on the, but is it really light to begin with? We need to examine ourselves. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I love the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when they're in the church house, they go to sanctuary, lift their hands when they're singing, sometimes they clap. It's okay to clap. You know, they get the label pen says, I love Jesus. But the problem is, when they go out in the world, they wear it on their underwear, they hide it when nobody can see it. Nobody knows that they're a Christian. That's not what light is. We don't like to let others know that you love the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing wrong with that. Christians are visible. That's the whole point. You're the lights on the hill. You're a city that cannot be hidden. So that's why he talks about, next thing is the courageous light, faithfulness of this light. In verse 15, it says, nor do they light a lamp. And it says, but they put it on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. It gives light. You know, sometimes I hear excuses people at work. They say, well, you pastor, you don't know who I work with. You know, I'm going to get fired if I say anything about God. They're so wicked and so forth. Some people actually like, do you know anybody where I can get a different job? because people here can't talk about God, you know, they're so wicked. But let me ask you something. Have you ever considered and asked yourself why you're there in the first place? Maybe God put you there to be the lampstand, to be the candlestick, to light the light to those people. I shared with you before, you know, now we're working at home, but before, you know, I would invite coworkers to church and so forth, and they don't want to come. They say, your congregation only has to listen to you on Sundays. We listen to you Monday through Friday. <laughs> and, you know, there, there's atheists there, but you've got to ask God's wisdom how to deal with these people. You know, one of them is completely doesn't believe in anything. He says, we came from nothing and we go for nothing. I said, well, you're partly right. Because, you see, the Bible says God created man from dirt, so that's nothing. And then you're going to go back to dirt. That's nothing. So you got that part right. But you see, there's one part that you don't know about. it. The soul must return to God. And that's what you have to think about when you get there. So you have to ask God for wisdom to be the light where he has planted you. You know, in the book of Titus, Titus is complaining about Cretans. He's he's there to begin with. He's like, look look what it says in Titus 1.12. And he's talking about one of their own even prophets said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. He says, look, even their own people are saying, I'm over here with these Cretans, but look what they're even saying about themselves. They're wicked. But Paul reminds them that he needs to be a light. Because in verse 5, he told them, for this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking And appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. So maybe God planted you where he planted you is to be the light. You see, one of the things that Scott kind of mentioned in the Men's Breakfast, which I agree with 100%, is you're going to touch people in your life that I'm never going to touch. You come in contact with people in your circle, your work, and your co-workers, and your uh, acquaintances that I'm never going to meet. So it is your job to be the light of the world. can't just be the pastor. I can't reach the world. We have to do it collectively, just like you don't take a little pinch of salt, right? When you're eating a steak, you put some salt in there. You get it out of the shake. You don't just go and put one little pinch of, separate it. So collectively... We reach the world by individual candlesticks. And the Bible says we are to shine as lights in this dark world. That's why we're here. And collectively, we need to let it shine to all those who are in the house. To all those in the house, in the world, because, again, folks... There's somebody, I want you to really understand this, there's somebody in your life, in your acquaintance, that you can't influence. And there's somebody in your circle that may be looking at you or not even talking to you, but you're indirectly influencing them because they see something in you that's different. So continue to be being the light. You can't be a hidden. You don't put it in a basket. Verse 14 again, it says, A city set on the hill cannot be hidden. If you're a true Christian, folks, you can't hide it. That's the whole point. You can't. It says a city. A city is full of lights. Anybody have ever been to L.A., you know, go up there, that little hill, Hollywood or whatever sign, and you can see in the evening time the city of L.A., and all those lights Looks kind of cool. You can't be hidden. Of course, there's some fog there sometimes, but. And that's every single one of us. Our place is to be on the lampstand, lamp not under a basket. And what happens is when we do that, here's a house that has light, 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 and what happens? You can't be hidden. The whole city is lit up. All over, the first thing you'll know, there's a glow across the sky. Every traveler knew where there was refuge because they knew there was a little village because they'll see up on a hill, there's a village, I see lights. So folks, Christianity is not some secret society. We're not the Masons. We don't have cults or whatever. You are to shine. And again, if you're a true Christian, you couldn't help yourself but to shine. You will shine. But together we can glow for the Lord Jesus Christ and make an impact that alone we cannot make by ourselves. We need one another, right? If I'm just one candlestick, but if you put all the candlesticks together, we have one huge light, So how are we going to do this? Well, in verse 16 it says, Let your light shine before men so that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. First of all, there's that word let. Let your light shine. To me, that speaks of surrender. Let it shine. Do you see it? Let it happen. When you get right with God, when you get saved, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, really, you don't have to make yourself shine because you will shine when you fully surrender. Now, sometimes we try to force it, right? And we just become a glare, not a bright glow. You will shine. It's just automatic. You know, in the Bible, it says, <laughs> it speaks of Stephen, who was stoned. And the Bible says, while they were stoning him, he looked in heaven. And the Bible says, what was his face like? Shining like the face of an angel. Look at Acts 6.15, it says, And all who sat in the council, looking steadfastly at him, at Stephen, saw his face as the face of an angel. Do you think... Stephen went to some Bible seminars to take classes on how to make his face shine. No, it's automatic. Because if you're a true Christian, you will shine. But first you have to surrender. And then there's sacrifices that you're going to have to make in your life. There's no burning or shining without burning in your life. In John 5.35, we read, he was the burning and shining lamp, speaks of uh, John the uh, the Baptist, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. So people were rejoicing in John's light, which was reflected from Christ. But what happened to John? His life was not all that beautiful. There was burning. So we have to be willing to be the fuel for the master's fire, if you will. We have to be consumed from Christ. And that's something why we sometimes don't shine. We're not willing to make the sacrifices. We don't want to burn for the Lord Jesus Christ. But again, folks, there will be no shining without burning. When you're in this world, this world is going to hate you. And they do. And the last point I want to make is sanctification. It says in verse 16 again, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So it's ongoing, these works. You know, one of the greatest missionaries was uh, Hudson Taylor. And one time he returned from his missionary trip. And a news reporter said, hey, a lot of people are comparing you to Apostle Paul. And he said, I'm very disappointed Because I wanted them to see Jesus. So when we're shining, folks, our works are not for our glory, works not to be compared. Oh, he was like Paul. The whole idea is that you glorify your Father. And how do we make that? Sacrifice, again, surrender. If we read in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live now is not in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So really, it's not our life to begin with. So it's a, not only a changed life, it's an exchanged life. And people see Jesus Christ in me and you. And again, what's the reason for this? What's the reason we went through the Beatitudes, all those attitudes ought to be poor in spirit and so forth, meekness. But then he's saying you have to be the salt and the light in this world. What's the reason for this? So people can look at Cornet and say, oh, she's such a good boy. No, it's not about me. It's not about you. The whole reason, there's only one single reason why you should be salt Be salty and lit, if you want to put it this way, and manifest this in your life. Look at verse 16 in Matthew 5. Glorify your Father in heaven. That's the reason we live. There is no other reason but to glorify God. That's all. We must shine not to tell the world how good we are or we are better than they are, have this arrogance, this prideful holiness about us. But the reason we should be salt and light is to glorify God. Folks, listen, there's more darkness today than it's ever been in history. And I'm sure lots of pastors or people in the past said that too. But, but now we have more science, we have more abilities, we have more technology. But what's happening Through all these progressions, we're evolving and all this stuff, but yet we're lost in darkness and sin. The morals of this world are going down and down. And the light of the world is Jesus. Do you believe that? That's a weak amen, but, you know, feel free. The light of the world is Jesus. Jesus but the tragedy not that the men not only don't want to come because they don't want their evil works exposed Christians are being selfish with their light and we don't understand that this light that we have through the word of god that's been opened up to us it's not only for our own benefit you can't just take heaven and be dr scrooge with it or whatever your job is to shine. You're a city that's set on the hill. So that references the responsibility, people at distances. And folks, there's so much I want to say about that. But if you see it sitting on a city on a hill, just imagine this. It's, it's a witness to everybody. But then he talks about a lampstand in your house. You've got to be a light in your house too. Not just at your work, at church. But how are you at home? My wife points that out to me most of the time. Mm Mm-hmm. And I already know. And when Jesus spoke of lighting this lamp, not putting it under a basket, but on a lampstand, saying it's to be shining for everybody in the house, shining to everybody in the world. And again, disciples who give no light, who put it under a basket... That's no value. Kind of like the same with that salt. You know, there's a, went on vacation, there was a lighthouse. Well, a lighthouse uses a light, right? Power towers, they have those blinking lights on top of them. Police emergency vehicles. When they want to give you a gift card, they turn on those blue-red lights. Road signs. They all use lights. And lights indicate that there's a hazard or some kind of warning. There's maybe a danger ahead or road closed. And the world that we live in is such in perishing state. Like I said, we have so much science. When we say to science, science, can you save me? Well science says I can't save you. I can tell you how far Earth is from the sun but I can't remove your sins. We talk about philosophy. Can philosophy save us? It can't save us. It can tell us more and less things about things. Education can't save us. It can make us smart, but it can't make us wise because wisdom only comes from the Father. The culture today, we talk about a lot of culture around you hear about it a lot. Can culture save us? No. And that's what we need to understand as Christians, folks. Culture can make this world to go, you know, a better place to go to hell from, but that's about it. It can't save us. There's only one who can save, and he's mighty to save, and his name is Jesus. So if, and I know people, you heard of this illustration before, but if somebody's standing out on the street and there's a truck coming at them, And you have the ability to warn them, and you don't do it. Folks, if you got heaven, and you know there's a hell, and you're not shining, ask yourself is it really the light that you have to begin with? How can you have heaven and not share it? How can you hide it? Well, Jesus points out you can't. You're like a city that can't be hidden. Jesus alone is the answer. Jesus wants to save people, and he'll save you today if you trust in him. Because in John 12, 36, it tells us how you can do that. It says, believe in the light. John 12, 36 says, while you have the light, believe in the light. And what happens? Then you become the sons of the light. So if you become a son, you also become the light, so you don't put that light under the bushel. And John 12, 46 says, I come as the light into the world. And Jesus says, whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. You want to have clarity? You don't want to step on the Legos in your life? You want to dance all the time? Turn on the light. And when you do that, follow the light. John 8, 12 says, then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Amen? Let's pray.